I think the choir already preached to us this morning, so there's no need for me to preach again. And here's what they taught us, and it's an old Marine Corps thing, adapt, improvise, and overcome, that sometimes God does not give us the resources that we wish we had, but we make use of the ones that he has given us. That is a valuable lesson to learn in life, and they did a wonderful job. Thank you for your gift to us. This morning's passage of Scripture will be coming from the book of John, chapter 16, verses 25 through 33. The Word of God says that these things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name and do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you, and because you have loved me and have believed that I come forth from God, I come forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from the Father. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we come before you this morning during this time of the worship service father we just ask that you let your word soak into our hearts and our spirits feed us and teach us father god the wonderful lessons that we are to know of you that our lives may be more abundantly full now father we just ask during this time of the service that you empty me of words and of desire and to fill me with your spirit that all that I do would be pleasing to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we are in the season of Advent, and it is a time that, if you are like me, is not always a gentle time because it is a time of waiting. That's what we do in Advent. Now, we remember the first coming of Christ and how he came into the world and the miracles that he worked, but we also live with the expectation of Christ coming back to take God's children home. The bride of Christ, we are called. And that is such a long, long wait. Because we don't know the hour and we don't know the day. Christ himself doesn't even know. The scriptures say plainly that the only one who knows the time that is appointed for Christ's arrival is God himself. And I think sometimes that that the larger lessons that God has for us to learn really point to the smaller things in our life that sometimes seem so big. One is that we want to know when things are going to happen. Oh, how I wish I knew when certain things were going to happen in my life because then I wouldn't have to spend my days worrying about them. I would think that I would have more peace 
about what's happening in life. But what that says to us as a people is that, that we're not trusting God the way we should. Now, not knocking anyone because trusting God is something that we learn to do on a daily basis. It's not something that we automatically and instantly perfect. It's something that we learn and we have with us a loving, patient Father who allows us to learn and make mistakes in those times. But we as a people always want to know when something is going to happen, and that says that we are not walking fully by faith. We have to trust God with everything in our lives, not just the things that we we want to give to him, but, but everything, even his perfect timing for things to happen in our lives. Scripture says this, that the righteous live by faith. And that means we trust God with everything. But there's that thing that, that happens, and what's happening here with Jesus and the disciples is this. He is getting ready to go to the cross at Calvary, and he's telling his people this. You know, all this time that I've been with you, I've spoken to you in parables. I've given you time to grow and experience, and I've let you discover on your own those things that I need you to know and learn. I gave you time to, to figure it out so that you can experience life a little more than what you have in the past. But Jesus is now saying this. I don't have time right now to speak to you in riddles and parables because my time is short and I need to know that you know certain things. He's just telling them, I'm going to my Father and I need you to know who I truly am. I need you as my disciples to really believe it because things are going to happen in your life when I'm gone. He says that the disciples the disciples will be scattered uh, to their own. And what he's talking about is this, is the great persecution of the church. Because you see, when Christ rose from the dead and, his, and the Holy Spirit ascended onto God's children, the church began a new birth. Its first birth. Christianity was coming alive and it was spreading all over the world and people did not like it and they persecuted people. Paul, one of the greatest authors of the Bible, was one of those people that persecuted the church. Before his experience with God, his name was Saul and he was the first that we know of in history to commit violent acts against Christians. And Jesus needed them to know these things about life, that as a Christian, you are going to experience great tribulations, great trials, and to some of us, even to the point of death. But here's what I need you to know. I have overcome the world. I need two things from you, Jesus says. One thing I am going to give you, I am going to give you peace peace that surpasses all understanding and the thing that I need from you to do is this no matter what you experience be a cheerful people because Christ has said I have overcome the world and when we think about peace what we think about oh so many times is how the world presents peace to us the world presents peace to us as a lack of conflict meaning that there are no more wars or rumors of wars, that, that everyone is getting along with one another. But that is not the peace that Jesus said that he brought into the world. Jesus said that I am going to give you peace. But here is the 
responsibility on our part. If I were to come down to you today and hand this pen over to you and say, here, I want to give you this. You have an option of taking it or not taking it. So you see, Jesus offers us this wonderful gift of peace during times of tribulation, but it is up to us to receive it. And here's what I'm getting at. Have you ever experienced a turmoil in your life, a tragedy, but something was welling up inside of you telling you that no matter what his experience, your experience is, no matter what's happening, that everything is going to be okay? It's a spiritual matter. It is not a mental matter. It's not a matter of the heart. It is God's Holy Spirit who resides in us, who is empowering us to face tomorrow and live in today with peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. What peace is, is this. If we go back to the Old Testament and we look at how peace was used in those times, it is a completeness and a soundness, which means that it amends or takes something that's broken and makes it whole takes something that is incomplete and completes it. And if we look to, to the New Testament, to the Greek language, what we find is this. That peace means quietness and rest. Never is there an absence of tribulation. But God empowers us in those times to be a cheerful people. We receive that gift of peace. We receive that empowerment. But it is up to us to what we do with it. Now, I know and you know that, that there are different levels of tragedy and no one overcomes everything at one time, nor is there any expectation because, you see, the Spirit isn't here to completely heal, but the Spirit is here to help us heal from tragedies. Because God knows the impact that the world has on us, but he knows also what we need to experience the fullness of life. I remember growing up and watching these TV shows. And there are so many lessons that can be learned from some of these TV shows. If you remember some like the Waltons, you know, that you always see Jim Bob and Mary Ellen and all running around outside. But there was another show called, I think it was The Promised Land. And there was a, a young man who had a family on that show, and it was right around Christmas time, and he lost his job and wound up losing his home. And the main character of that show heard about him and approached him and, and offered him assistance with what he could. And he said to him, so, I am so sorry that this is happening to you, but his response was, hey, we're sorry that it's happening also, but we have our faith in God. 
that we believe that God works in all things for the good of his children, that, that this thing that we're going through right now is not the end of our life, but a new beginning. Because you see, in the storm, God is transforming his children. And when you come out of that storm, if you are the same person that you were when you went into it, you missed a great deal. You see, God wants us to become stronger. He wants us to become more powerful. He wants us to become more knowledgeable of who he is and what he does in our life. And in order to accomplish that, we need peace. Peace calms the spirit and makes us one with God. And when we can rely solely on God for all things, then we can live without turmoil in our lives. It's not an easy task, but it, but it is something that we work toward. And it is something that empowers us. And it leads us to that abundant life that Christ taught us about. There are three aspects of where peace can be applied, and the first is peace with God. See, Scripture indicates that Jesus is our peace with God, meaning that, that when we call on the name of God, the first thing God does is reconciles his children back to him. See, because of original sin in our lives from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve first sinned, we as a people were separated from God because of that sin. And that left a, a feeling of absence in our spirits, in our souls. But, but God comes into our lives through the person of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us when we call on his name. And he doesn't take that sin away. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? But what he does is he restores our relationship. The blood of Jesus covers that sin so that God in heaven can look down upon his children and not see them and see us in our brokenness, but see us in the perfection that, that he created us to be. And in this sense, peace is an act of God restoring us to our right relationship with him. And Jesus says that our peace is also with others, that once we're reconciled to God, that, that we have to reconcile ourselves one to another, meaning that, that we have wonderful people in our lives all the time, but, but unfortunately we don't always get along and we don't always see eye to eye. And it is okay for us as a people to not agree. Sometimes we learn to disagree and live with one another in that. That is how God works with us. I dare not say that every thought or every idea that I have pertaining to life and people and God is perfect in God's eyes. But he gives me the ability to experience and grow. And not just with him. But with you as a people.
Peace empowers us to do that. Peace allows us to take those controversies and put them aside so that we can love one another as we are. I'm a big fan of the old saying that we as Christians should love one another and instead of trying to change one another, take care of one another, inspire one another, and empower one another, let God worry about changing who and what needs to be changed. And then there's the aspect of peace that I love best. And that is the work that Christ does within me. I'm like you. I experience tragedy. I experience anxiety. You know, peace isn't always about overcoming something negative. It can be dealing with something positive. I am not a patient person. I have learned patience over the year. But when I look to my future and I see the vision that God has for me, whether short-term or long-term, I don't want to wait. I want to experience it now. And because of that, I spend my days sometimes in torment because of what I experience. Do you, can we all agree on that? Waiting for God to do something is not a comfortable task. And then one of the things that we as a people do when we start waiting on God is we start off good with the intentions of waiting, but then we decide that, well, God's not going to act, and he thinks that maybe I need to act to fulfill my own destiny. And that oftentimes leads to something destructive. Because you see, we can't provide for ourselves the materials or resources needed to build or construct or achieve what we want. It goes back to the joke that I told you about a few weeks ago about the the scientists who came before God and said, you know what, God, we have figured everything out. We know everything about you, and we can do everything that you can do. And God said, can you make a man from dirt just like I can? And the scientist said, yes. God said, okay, well, go ahead and do it. And the scientist kneels down into the ground and starts taking dirt and shaping it into the form of man, and God taps the scientist on the shoulder and says, excuse me, but go get your own dirt. Because, you see, man cannot create their circumstances, but we can affect our circumstances because we are so anxious for something to happen. And oftentimes that leads to something negative. And if it does, that is okay so long as we learn from it. We want to be positive about where we are going in life. And we want to be positive about who we're experiencing in life and who it is that is guiding us. And that is God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And it is he who works in our circumstances so that we can achieve those goals. But during that time, we have to be patient. And I need peace in order to be patient. Because that peace that comes from Christ and Christ alone is what settles my spirit. It dampens my temper. And it empowers me to live in today while I wait for tomorrow.
There's another passage of scripture that I want to touch on. From 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I read that last part. And I understand what the first part you're talking about is talking about thoughts and ideas that, that run through our mind. And simply put, that we have the ability to control what we think of because of God's empowerment. But it's that last part that that gets me, that says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How many times a day do you think? How many thoughts a day do you have? We were thinking thousands, if not more, thoughts a day per one person. But this is what we've come to understand about a people. That each day their mind is tasked with a duty. And it's that duty or that purpose for that day is that is what occupies our mind. And we can think all day long about the negative side of what we have to encounter. Or we can look to the positive side of it. Every day I know that, that I get up and go to work and I can think negatively about what's going to happen at work. Or I can think positive about it. I can say that today at work, no matter what happens, no matter what the Spirit in my mind tells me, no matter what the world tells me, I can find something positive to think about today. My work today, I am going to visit someone, and I'm going to make a difference, hopefully, in their life. And if not, I know that they're going to make a difference in my life. It's about perspective. And we have the ability as people to take those thoughts and let them be negative or make turn them into something positive. Because of Christ's empowerment in our lives. In order to experience all the goodness that God has for us, we don't just relinquish control of our lives, but we control how we think about God, life, and one another. Christ came into this world to give us that life. Will you take the tools and the opportunities that he gives you and make a difference in your life and in the lives of those around you? Live in peace with Christ, with yourself, and one another. And approach each day regardless of what it brings with a cheerful heart. Let us pray. Father God, as we close the sermon today, I just ask that you be with each and every one of us as we prepare to leave here today. Help us to think positively about what you're doing in our lives, to, to not look at current circumstances and think that, that it's not going to happen in our life or that you're not working. Help us to remember that you work in all things for the good of those who love him. 
and that we as a children who love you with our acts and our deeds desire to move forward into your call. Help us to take into captivity every thought that enters our mind and consider it for the positive that you have planned for us. Bring peace to our world, to our spirits, and to our lives. Through Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Those I want to share with you one thing. Oftentimes I walk the church, literally all over the church when no one's here, or maybe it's just me and Susan, because I'll, I'll look for ideas. Or I just want to get a feel for everything. The other day I was upstairs in the um, youth room where the pool table is at, and I saw on the wall a scripture that brought peace to my heart, and I want to share it with you. Now this is the actual sign that was on the wall. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own intelligence. Let us pray. Father God, we close the service today with hope for tomorrow and peace for the day, Father God, knowing that you created us, each and every one, for a reason. And in part, that reason is to worship and bring praise to you, to love one another, and to live life with expectation of all the great and mighty things that you have prepared for us. So, Father, as we have come forth to the table, let us leave knowing that your Spirit dwells within us for guidance, for comfort, and for peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.